You are now in tune with the Talking Reggae podcast. As always, I am Jay from Street Level Uprising. My very, 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 very special guest today, my friend, Ross Rebel. How are you today, sir? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, King. How about uh, yourself? I'm How good. you doing, man? I'm good, man. And I, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. I was, I've actually, um, I've been really excited today because it's like all day I've been like watching the clock, like get to chat with Ross Rebel because um, you and I have a lot of things in common. You and I share a lot of the same feel, feelings on certain things. But let's start at the start, man. What was, what's your earliest memories, your earliest vibes of reggae music? My earliest vibes of reggae music. Oh, man, reggae music's pretty much been in, in my soul, like pretty much since I was a, a preteen. Um, I remember listening to early um, Third World and Jimmy Cliff and, and uh, artists like this before I even... I, I knew about Third World before I knew about Bob Marley, really, just no because way. I was, yeah, I was listening to it. You know, the Now That We Found Love was kind of oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was bouncing around my house. And then, um, you know, my, my, my mom listened to a lot of music when she was raising us. So there was all kinds of influence in the house. So there was a little bit of reggae. There was a little bit of jazz. There was a um, disco. There was, a, I mean, we were just always with, with about the music. Yeah. So, but... Uh, I mean, the, reggae, the earliest reggae influences that I mean, when, 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 when reggae really grabbed me is when I was about 16. Yeah, that's when it really just kind of pulled me in and, 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 and um, influenced me from then on, basically. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I, was, I was gonna ask about the music in your house. Like you said, you grew up with a lot of different vibes going on, as I think most of us do. You know, most of us right. come right. up in, in homes and, um, a lot of our parents listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, what, what else did you really, what else really attracted to you about music, whether it was before reggae or in that same time, like what other vibes were you hooking on to? Oh, well, you know what, man? I mean, I was always into, uh, I mean, I grew up breakdancing when I was a kid. So rap music was always influenced to me in early hip hop. And I mean, like hip hop at its classic, we're talking like, um, we're talking like um, the Fat Boys and Curtis Blow and like, you know, stuff like that, like early, early, um, even pre-Karis one and stuff that, that were kind of flooding in and those kind of vibes came in. And then, um, you know, growing up, then I was started listening to stuff like um, um, uh, X-Clan and I started listening to uh, um I'm drawing a blank here. I'm sorry. KR, like I said, just because KRS one, yeah. um, I started listening to a little bit more conscious hip hop, obviously being raised out on the West coast, being a teenager, you know, NWA was hot at the time. So public enemy was hot. And so these are all my influences and in music that I listen to, you know, as well as, I mean, I like dance, dance music too. Um, I could get into R and B. Michael Jackson is one of my favorites of all time. I think Michael Jackson is an outstanding performer and a workaholic. So I really admire his work ethic in the music. So when I was a kid, I was um, into talent contests and I was breakdancing with my brother um, on the street corners with the Folgers can like they do in Venice Beach or like they used to do in Venice Beach. <laughs> um, but um, 
you know, that, those are kind of, it's, I, I've always been around music man, and, and entertaining and popping and breaking and dancing and singing. And so there's always been some type of bubbling music, you know, um, music bubbling in my soul. Yeah. And you can, you can really feel, and we'll get to you. We'll, we'll talk more about your sound later on, but you can feel a lot of that hip hop in you. You can always tell when somebody grew up with certain influences that even though that's not like the, the main force of what they're doing as an artist, you can feel that you can feel that hip hop in you. I, I grew up on the East coast. So for me, it was like my early hip hop memories were run DMC, um, the beastie boys, uh, but you mentioned fat boys, fat boys were huge for us. And then a little right. bit, a li- little bit later, public enemy was like, I mean, that's still, that's still my favorite hip hop artist. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was bumping some PE the other day, man. And yeah. it was kind of crazy. I was in um, Pismo beach of all places. And I pull yeah. up in the, into the gas station and I'm blowing public enemy, like out of my truck. And this dude was just like, literally just standing there <laughs> vibing at the pump. And, and he was a young cat too. And he was vibing to, and I was like, it was like, uh, 911 is a joke or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was just something on that album, on that uh, Fear of a Black Man album. And you know, it was just it was going off and they and, and the dude was digging it for real. Yeah, I'm 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 an old school hip hop head. And I, you know, I've got to that point in my life, of course, where like everything I grew up with is the best, you know, like we all feel like that. Like uh whatever we grew up in our time with was was the best. That's the classics right there. Public Enemy played uh they played a free show out here. Um a few years ago, there's like a summer concert series where the city puts on like one free concert per year. Right. And a few years ago it was public enemy. So I like, I finally, it was one of the few bands left that I hadn't seen that I've always wanted to see. Finally got a chance to catch them live. And it was just, it's a phenomenal show, man. Chuck, Chuck still does it, man. He's still out there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of posts from Chuck D still. I follow him. So shout out to Chuck D. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Chuck D. I, I, I did a series when I first started getting into social media, this was probably like four years ago, maybe I did a, just a quick Facebook video series on my famous, my favorite conscious artist, because that's, that's my groove that, you know, I, I love all kinds of music, right. but right. conscious is really my vibe. And I did like, you know, my, my favorite conscious artist, and obviously, you know, public enemy was in there, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, steel pulse, all those cats, but public enemy was really one of the first, groups of like of of my life where i'm like like hold on like these cats is like nothing but conscious and i didn't know that you could do that i thought right. you know what i mean like i thought you could do some conscious tunes but you should probably do some more like so public enemy was one of my first influences as like nah you can just do this if you want to yeah public enemy kind of geared me into listening to more stuff like poor righteous teachers and some of the five percenters and stuff, you know what I mean? That were really kicking real consciousness. Well, you know, being on the, on the West coast, it was, um, it was either gangster or dance at the time. You know what I mean? And you were either, you were either rapper, you were R&B, you know what I mean? It was really like the hip hop cliche hadn't even been coined yet. It was still considered rap, you know, yeah. and I'm been back to yo MTV raps, you know what I mean? So it was all Freddie, but, but if you, if you, if you wanted to hear, hear real conscious rap at the time, you have to reach over to the East coast and to the, and, and to the Midwest, like cats out of Philly and, yeah. you know, and 
stuff like that, because they were really talking a little bit more consciousness and they were talking a little bit more about, you know, more uprising, you know, urban uprising rather than just, you know, like kill a brother, shoot a brother, kill a It wasn't even, you know, it was more like, yo, respect yourself, know yourself, build yourself. And, you know, and then you could give on and, and, and so on. So, yeah, well, even that early hip hop, like when the message came out, which was one of the first hip hop tunes is like, this is a genre that was conscious from the start. Like, yeah, there was, you know, party stuff, but there was consciousness right from the start of hip hop, which you can't say about every genre. What do you mean the message, uh, the Sugar but, Hill Gang? Yeah, Grand, Grandmaster Flash, when they came oh, out. Grandmaster yeah, Flash, yeah. yeah, not Sugar Hill Gang, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when they came out with the messages. So it's like, right from the start, there's consciousness in this music. Absolutely, broken glass everywhere, people pissing on the stage, you know, they just don't care. Yeah, yeah right off the bat, just that first verse right there is, mm-hmm. is the one. Yeah, and then, you know, West Coast, to me, the, that early, like the early, what, what would become called gangster rap when you had like Ice-T and NWA starting out, to me, that's conscious too. Like, it, you know, it might be talking about things a little bit differently than the East Coast. The East Coast was almost more of like a like talk of revolution and the West Coast had that conscious style of this is what's going on, like right here, right in front of us on these streets. Right, right. Yeah, it was, it was still a, a, lot, a lot more... Um, I'm glad you brought up Ice-T, man. Ice-T would put it right in your face, you know what I mean? And he was loved by the East Coast and the West Coast. But, I mean, Six in the Morning is a classic jam. And that is a classic rap song. That is not hip-hop. That is classic rap. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good... (laughs) But, you know, these are the influences that influenced me um, to be such a... Uh, a real up-in-your-face type reggae artist and really bring that type of of flow through me into reggae. So, you know, being a, a you know, a, a reggae artist roots and dance hall, um, that's where my love is at. I, I love the rhythm of reggae. I love the, the, the hard hitting bass lines that, you know, that four on the floor, that one drop, it's just, that's what my, my heart and my blood pumps to. But in, in my performance and in my lyrics, I definitely bring in that real, right up in your face conscious hip-hop as well yeah but it's in a reggae fashion yeah man yeah and you know i love it man you know i love it because i love that i love that consciousness and um so what i love i i saw that your sound was described as a conscious message with a big sound and i love that because i love you were saying a second ago about um that bass the 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 rhythm of reggae i like a lot of people like reggae when it's laid back kind of beach vibes. I, I like that, but I'm more into like the, the power, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, um, the hard hitting kind of aggressive, that aggressive kick and things like that. And so, you know, and, and there's room, there's room for all of it. I love both, but I really do. I do love that more aggressive side of reggae that comes out sometimes, but take me back, man. Take me back to when you started feeling like, hey, I might want to be a performer. And then you get out there and you start performing with bands and things like that. How did all that come about in your early life? Uh, well, like I said, I've always been a performer. So when I was a kid, like I said, when I was a kid, I performing in talent contest and, um, um, you know, school plays and stuff like that. I've always I took to the stage when I was like eight. So it's, it, yeah. So it's no, you know, being on stage as a second is, is, is like breathing to me. It's like where, where I love to be, you know, some people, um, like I had, I heard a saying the other day that said, 
you know, a, a lot of people can play baseball, but there's only so many baseball players. Right. You know what I mean? And so, you know what I mean? I've been doing this since I was a kid. So I'm not just, you know what I mean? I'm, not that, I'm, I'm one of the ones that are birthed on stage and grew up on it. But um, reggae music, I could say, like I said, like when I was like 16, I went to my first Sunsplash and it was and it was I saw um, an artist by the name of Papa Sun. And I don't know if anybody knows about Papa Son, but yeah, he is fire, fire. And um, Lady Saul was on the bill, and I saw a female in reggae that was slaughtering lyrically. She was up there killing it, and she had—I I, want to say that she had either Firehouse Crew behind her. I think she had Firehouse Crew, um, which is a band out of Jamaica, who was one of the baddest bands ever to touch the, the stage. And I think she had Firehouse behind her. She was just killing it too, and I was just. Stuck. I was literally, I spent like an hour and a half with my jaw open just, and I was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to do that right there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Lady Saw is a queen too. I mean, she, Ooh, like, man. like when you talk about, when you talk about the, the reggae greats, if you were going to plot out a line and you had to put down like everybody who changed the game, right? Like she's on there just as much as anybody else is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just, and just a lyrical beast, you know, I've always, like you said, being um, loving the hard hitting rhythms and that you 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 got to listen to what's coming off of those rhythms. Um, I think Ice Cube was harder when he left N.W.A. Um, you know what I mean? Some of the stuff that he was saying, like on the, you know, I mean, on the, uh, the birth certificate, I'm, I'm sorry, the death certificate and, you know, the album America's Most Wanted, like he was doing some of the most major spitting on those albums. And so I always try to incorporate that type of major spit, even if I'm, you know, even in a root song or in, in my style of what I call West Coast dancehall, it's, it's a swag of both of those, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really those being early influenced by that. And then being able to dig into artists, like we said, like Papa Son, Lady Saw, um, Shaba Ranks, um, you know, early stuff like, um, you know, Apache Indian and, and, and uh, it just, the, the, the list goes on and on. You know what I mean? I, oh, yeah. I can just spit out a lot of them. And then I, I came in, you know, I fell in love with like, acts like Sizzla and Capleton and just, you know what I mean? The fire artist, you know what I mean? And, 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 um, Junior Kelly, Junior Kelly is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. Another lyricist that's just tight. So, you know, the li- I mean, my list of lyricists <laughs> that I listen to is, is, is on, is like this big, man. So yeah. I'm inspired by a lot of people and it just, it really, um, all that is encompassed in my music. Yeah. So after that, did you start putting bands together? Were you kind of rocking solo for a while and just getting rhythms? What, how, how did you start out like, like walking into the I business? started out like everybody else. I started out, you know, with a band and, and, and you know what I mean? I, I had a good bridge of mine that everybody was in the same, same kind of thing. Like we were young, we were wanting a band. And at the, at the time I was playing keyboards as well. And I had this elder Rasta um pulled me aside and he said you know you're you, you're kind of good on both of the lyrics and the keyboard but you need to focus on one so that you can you know give him 50 percent of one thing you'll never give 100 percent to nothing so i i didn't touch the keyboards after that day i just started focusing strictly on vocals and and writing songs and uh yeah so then you know progressively it, it, it grows to another band and the next band then you fall solo but 
Being in a band is hard. Being in a band, you have to deal with six to seven different relationships. And as you tend to get a little older and being in a band, you tend to have to deal with six or seven relationships and their relationships. You feel me? <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it's so at that point, I was tired of, you know, the, the, the guitar player's girlfriend having the reason why he wasn't showing up for gigs and having, you know, the drummer. Then I just said, you know what, I'm going to do my solo thing. Um, and then my love, once again, my love for hip hop got me back because I did a tour with just a DJ. Hmm. So it was two turntables and a microphone, you know what I mean? Yeah. And basically that was it. So, and when I say turntables, the cat was spinning just rhythms on 45s, vinyl. So it wasn't, you know, laptop style. Lap, laptop, yeah. laptop DJ, so, yeah. And that really, that, really sharpened, that really sharpened the steel right there for me because it let me know that I can do this either or, you know? So there's really, you know what I mean? And then I just thought progressively just kept grinding. But I prefer to rock with a band. You know what I mean? I prefer to be able to ride with musicians. I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy the, the, the sisters that back me up, big up to Lady Dread and the Queens of Ja and um, all the sisters that back me up on vocals in the studios. And, and, and I, I, I love being around people and the camaraderie being a band, but sometimes I'll just, I'll just chill it with just a DJ too. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I feel the same way. Well, first of all, like you've got, you've got the two things, right? Like you've got the camaraderie and like, like I do a lot of solo tours where, because oh, yeah. it's, because I make more money that way. Like, like if we're being real, like it's, I got seven people in the band, you know, it's, it's a lot. If I go out and do a solo tour that can help me then get the band on the road for the next set of shows. Right. So I do a lot of solo stuff and you, you miss the camaraderie, man. And you, like, if you have a good show, there's no one to celebrate with. If you have a bad show, there's no one there to help pick you up. Right. It's like, so it's a camaraderie and also on stage, there's a, there, there's a power that comes from them live drums, the bass, the, 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 the backing vocals, all that is a right. power yeah, behind the synergy, it. the synergy of being with that band, man. And when that, when that drummer's in that pocket, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the bass is just laying you back and you could call your bass and drum and call your rhythm. And, you know, you, you know, everybody knows when the dub wise is going to happen. That's something that you can't get with a DJ. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you can get sure. Right. You can get the breaks and the break beats and you can, you know, yeah. but you can't really get everybody working in a unison to where, man, that pendulum is swinging. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, people, people love them live bands, man. Even when I've seen hip hop artists, I enjoy the show more if they're playing with a live band, right? Like one of my favorite bands, um, I grew up in Philly. Uh, so one of my favorite bands is the roots. You know, I, I live there. I wasn't that old when I left Philly and moved to Florida, but, but Black I, I got, I, yeah, man. Black thought is like, people talk about lyrics, like he's, Ooh. he's so underrated. And I know like these days, most people know them as the house band for Jimmy Fallon or whatever, but yeah, no, like, if you don't, yeah, if no. that's, if that's all you know about the roots, <laughs> no, like, please, please go back and check out the, you know, anybody watching this or listening to it. If you're really not familiar with the roots, go check out the roots because you need to please. check out. The roots. Yeah. So like, or like Outcast use a live band or like sometimes I've seen Snoop, he's got the live band. It's like, it, it definitely right. changes things, man. It, right. it, it brings, it, it brings yeah. the dynamics. It brings the dynamics to the stage and you have to have those dynamics, you know, yeah. but, uh, but um, you know, as my mom used to say, one monkey don't stop no show. If you don't have a band, if you don't have a band, you, you got to bring the music to the people, you know, and um, yep. um, 
one one of people that I that you know I really enjoy doing a couple of shows with over the last couple of years. That's Kabaka Pyramid. Uh-huh. And Kabaka Pyramid, uh, first time I really caught him was he was with a DJ. And then, you know, once everybody kind of got his name and he came back to the West Coast, then Danny brought a band. But, you know, first time I seen Kabaka, he was with a DJ. And once again, foot, foot, ninja style, you know, either or. Yeah. Yeah. But the band, you know, we, we, we def- definitely love the band. I'm a live musician. I love live right. musicians. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've seen some bands who are like, well, if we don't have everybody, we don't play. And I'm like, like, I can't afford to do that, right? Like, with street level, there's seven of us, fine. Well, if the horn players can't make it, the rest of us will. If the hand percussionists can't make it, the rest of us will. If the drummer and the, and the keyboard player can't make it, well, then I'm rocking solo with a couple of the other guys. Like, whatever it takes to put the music right. out there. Yes. You, can't, you can't just say, well, we don't have all... Because, like you were saying earlier, when you got a band with that many people, it's not always going to be perfect. The more, more people you have, the more delays, the more problems, all that. So you got to be prepared to get out there and do your thing. Yes. Yeah. It, um, and it always helps too, to have a second string and a third string too. Yes. You know, like any other team, yes. you know, take teamwork to make the dream work. If you, uh, if you do have a couple, um, you know, for any of you young musicians or young cats in the game out there, always get a couple extra people to learn your material too. It's always helpful to have that extra bass player or have that extra drummer you can call. The good thing a bit about it is, is, um, I reside in Southern California, LA, Orange County area, and there's a slew of reggae musicians out here. But, you know, there's a slew of reggae musicians in the world now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm reg- I, I think reggae music is one of the most newest and most played genre for bands. Yeah. And that goes across the board, you know? I remember when rock was, it was like that's, that was the thing, everybody. But now it seems to be that everybody's in a reggae band. So I feel like, you know, um, um, you can you can make that call now and get that second string or that third string people to kind of know your stuff just so that doesn't happen, you know? Yeah, man. Um, especially on the coast there. Like, it's a little bit harder for me where I am because it's not, reggae's not as big here. Um, you just try to find... Yeah, you, you know, Kansas, you, 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 Kansas. Yeah, and there are... And I'll, one, thing I'll <laughs> say, one, one thing I'll say about, like, the Kansas City area, right, is I could probably count on one hand how many reggae artists we have in, like, a 100-mile radius. but the quality is spectacular. There's no, there's no, there's no pretenders, right? Like, right. like everybody, like we're not, we're not huge, but we can bring it. And that's kind of like, like what we've got going on around here. Like my I friend, noticed that. I know the yeah. furthest that you go back to, through the Midwest and to the East, it, it, it gets a little, you know, that gets more um, authenticated. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's definitely like that, but you know, that's, that just goes with the demographic as well. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I know that in, in Florida, it could go either way. You could either have your dance hall crowd, you can have your Caribbean crowd, you know, as well as you can have just like, you know, the Key West, you know, brothers out there fishing for, you know, redfish and in their flip-flops drinking <laughs> beers, you know, on, on the beach. So it goes, it goes through all gauntlets, but I noticed that the further you go back that way, and, it, and it's kind of like what we were talking about, it seemed like conscious music, the closer you get to Jamaica, the more things get a bit more conscious, you know, I, I think, um, and a bit more um, authentic. Let's not say just conscious, but more authenticated. Right. Yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, I'm, I'm less familiar with California, right, than I am with, with other, especially coming from Florida and um, growing up listening to Jamaican music. I'm way less familiar with, like, the whole Cali Roots scene, right? Like, like all, like, I... I a lot of these bands I've just been introduced to in the past few years, I didn't really know them. 
Um, I didn't really know like revolution is like the biggest thing right now, but I didn't even know them until I just showed up to one of the shows here downtown, like three or four years ago. I just said, let me go check this band out. I hadn't even heard of them, but they're, you know, they're huge. And then all those other bands, tribal seeds, all yeah. them cats, like that's, that's the end that I'm least familiar with because I, I grew up listening to Jamaican stuff and then got into some of the East coast bands. Cause that's where I was at the time, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those guys are big, you know, on, on the West coast, like, like you said, like bands like revolution and the bands like tribal seed, um, um, stick figure, um, slightly stupid. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm, a yeah. fan of, I'm a big fan of slightly stupid as well. Yeah. You know, those, uh, those guys are huge, you know what I mean? And yeah. tribal seeds, you know, I've, I've, I'm a, I'm an older cat. I've been in this game for a minute. So I've seen tribal seeds grow since they were young, you know, this, um, younger cats and really just putting, you know, just getting it. But now, I mean, they put in work, they've blown up and, you know, and, and, and as well that, you know, they deserve all the credit that they get because those cats are bad now, like without a doubt, like their show is just boom. Um, you know, so you, you have bands like that over here and, you know, and you have, a, but then you like everywhere else, you have other bands that, you know, um, that you throw in the pot as well. And, 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 and they bring their, 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 uh, they, they bring their version of their reggae to it too, to, to authenticate, you know, what the West coast is about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I- and, and, I, and I think they should, man. I think like none of us are trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So right. I think, no, and, and, and this happens in reggae a lot, but I think it also applies to rock or blues or country or whatever else you're doing. Like your job as an artist is to transform what's come before you into something that's, that's you know, you filter all your influences in there and it comes out with something. And it's fascinating to me how regional that is, where you get like a lot of times a Cali band will come on that you don't even know, but you know right away that's a Cali band because you hear the vibe. Or you know a UK artist because you hear their vibe. Or you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you get those vibes in it. And it's amazing how regional. I, I would say that a lot of our stuff, we get some of this folk Americana that comes into our thing because that's the region we're living in. There's a lot right, of that folk right. bluegrass type of thing. So yeah, uh, that's, that's always fascinating to me, man. I'm always fascinated by the mixing of things to produce something new. You know what I mean? People, cultures, music. Um, that's how we grow and we learn from each other. Uh, but I wanna, I, w- I wanna talk specifically about your career for a little bit here. So let's go back to 1998. Okay. Revolution comes out. What was, what was your headspace at the time? How did you feel when you were making what was your, your debut solo album, right? Wait, what year, what year did you say? It was in 98, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was 98. Okay. I think it's 88. I was like, wait, no, 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 man. We can't afford to put any years on us. We need to, we need to stay, we need to stay stay right where it is. Cause right. Cause I, cause I definitely, uh, I I probably couldn't have made an album. I I was like, man, come on, bro. (laughs) No, 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 no. 98, 98, 98. I was, uh, yeah, I forget what I was doing in 98, but, uh, but, uh, I was, I was well out of high school by then too. So, so 98, you put out your first solo album. Um, what was the process for you? Did you, were you working with producers? Were you kind of doing your own thing solo? How was that working for you? Yeah, I just went solo. Right. So I had, um, um, a couple of the guys that were in the band, uh, CYC that I was with crucial yard crew. Um, a couple guys didn't work out. They went on and, and, and um, got with another band. And so I was like, you know what? We got this material. I'm not going to let it lie. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put it out under my own name and, 
under a solo thing. And, and I was just really new in the game. <clears throat> I, I think I did that album for like five grand. I think I paid like, it was like a package deal where it was like five grand plus the burning of the CDs. And this is when cats were burning their own CDs. There was no major distributors like there were, you know, like there are today. So, you know, we literally had a CD burner in the corner with the, the silver CDs with the black ink and, yeah. and, uh, you know, we put that out and yeah, that was a, that, that was a, <laughs> That album there, and I that album takes me back right there, man. Because it's it, those are some good old fashioned fun times of just trying to get my feet wet with reggae music. Yeah. yeah. Were you were you still recording to tape at that time? Because like I remember, like all right, so like I came up, and the last two, the first two recordings I ever did, it was still it was still tape. It was still reel to reel tape. There wasn't like widespread digital technology. And the first time I used digital, I think was like 99 or 2000. So that was right in that transitional time. Were you still, was the studio still running tape at that time or was it, had they, yeah, already- we, were, we were recording ADAT. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in those, yeah, we were recording yeah. that. And then, uh, yeah, you know, every, sometimes it went real to real, depending um, on how, um, who tracked the drums but i think we did that album in like five different studios i think we did <laughs> we did a a song in like every studio we could possibly get in and then this guy kind of you know frankenstein it together but yeah hey man whatever it takes you know what i mean yeah yeah man whatever it takes. Necessary. so did you uh did you hit the road after that did you start performing nonstop? Were you doing other stuff? Uh, well, so after that album, I, I think that my first time on the road was, it was like 2000 when I really said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to branch out and try to do some other things. I ran the gauntlet of my area at the time and um, where I grew up in the city of Oxnard, um, in Port Wainimi. Um, we had our own little kind of scene right there. You had like the Ventura theater and you had a couple gigs on main street in Ventura. Then you had a few gigs on state street in Santa Barbara and you had, um, um, frog and peach and things like this slow brew and San Luis Obispo. So it was like a little circuit right there that you could run and play some shows and do, you know, enough things, you know, and kind of build your following and build your, build your, uh, your, your, your poise as an artist. So that was kind of cool. And then I branched out and um, um, did a, a road trip. And you said, like you said, by any means necessary, you got to go, you got to do what you got to do. So I booked like four shows, one in Fresno, one in Sacramento, and I was doing it myself, right? Just balls to the wall, hella stoked, out of the gate, full blown, you know, my first like real album. And I, uh, and Amtrak was my, was my uh, chauffeur for that tour. Uh. <laughs> I just jumped on a train and just went to shows, man. I just, you know, wherever, where they, you know, I tried to book shows where the train stopped and just did what I had to do, man. No, that's brilliant, man. That's absolutely brilliant to do something like that. And, and it's, it's, I've heard of one or two other artists doing stuff like that, especially in the Northeast where they can run that train between Philly and New York and Boston and all that. But I haven't heard of a lot of artists doing that. And I think it's a great idea. It might be difficult when it's a full band and you're dragging drums and stuff off there, but man, right. if, you, if you got like a small outfit going on or something like, why not? Why not do that? Why not? Why not book it wherever the train stops, see what club is there. And like your transportation costs go way down when you're doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I was able to benefit, you know what I mean? As a, as a solo artist, I was, I was able to move a lot more patterns after I went solo, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and um, so, you know, like Ice Cube said, I dropped, dropped a little weight. Now I'm making all the dough. Like I was able to just 
you know, maneuver and, and, and be able to afford it being a solo artist. And, and, I, and, and at the time, like I said, I was down to get down wherever I was down to get down with other bands. I was yeah. down to showcase. I was down to do DJ sets. I was down. This was, you know, this was when you had to show up with your instrumental CD and hand them your CD and they would play it. And you know what I mean? Or, you know, you sometimes even going over, going over the CD, you know what I mean? And, and it was like, whatever I could get, I was, you know, just so hungry at the time, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. way to, that's the way to do it. So you're out doing that. And obviously you're still writing, you're, you're, you're coming up with a lot of tunes and stuff. Um, then you get back in the studio and re- you record Crossroads, which came out in 2006. Mm-hmm. What? what was your growth like? So you've got like eight years in between those albums coming out and you were hustling and you were growing and you were learning and you were writing. It must've been tremendous growth for you as an artist, as a person in that time. How much of that were you able to put into Crossroads and how much more powerful did that album become to you? Yeah. Crossroads. um, I mean, like you said, there had been a gap there and, um, and, uh, first of all, the reason why there was a gap is because I got kids. I had kids at that time, even early on, um, even in, you know, um, it, 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 in, uh, with, with the revolution album, my son was already born. So I already, you know, I, I had, a, I was a high school dad. I was, uh, I, gra- I had, my kid was six months old before I even graduated. So, you know, I had some real hood shit going on, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it, so in that time where Crossroads, um, took place, I had at that time, um, I think, um, took custody of my son and we had been living together, um, going through some transition with his mother and just trying to grow up, be a father, be a musician, trying to live a life, you know, and trying to, you know, chase that full-time job and just trying to be everything I could be. And at the still time, same time, trying to hold on to my dreams. And that's what it's, that's what the, the, uh, the title crossroads came from. I found myself at a crossroads where, you know what I mean? You find, you, you kind of ask yourself, like, is this what I want to do? Or is this what, you know, is this, what is, what is, um, in my destiny? Because so many people it tell you that you can't, or that you shouldn't, or that, you know, what their opinion is. And that's the one thing that um, I've been able to steer clear of, at least and keep my sanity. Sanity is just not listening to people telling me what I couldn't do. You know what I mean? If I listen to people put their fears on me, then I'd never be knowing. You know what I mean? So I was just like, so at that point in time, the crossroads came about um, and it, it, it the, the growth of it is, it was that I had or I had children now and I was a father and I was trying to do that, trying to live that life. And at the same time, I was still young. I was still running around and out in the clubs and chasing the dream and still, you know what I mean? Just all of it, just full bore. And then I came to a crossroads where I had to really, you know, take a knee. And as you can see that the dreadlocks on the cover um, of the album, you know, um, I, I had to like take a knee and really figure out which, which direction I was going to go. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I and I have so much respect for a couple of things you just said. First of all, that your your kids matter enough to you to put the dream aside, but then that the dream matters enough to you that it's just aside. It's not you don't just shut it down because I've been dealing with the whole right. thing. I've been dealing right. with that same thing my whole adult life. People are like, why doesn't street level? You know, when is street level going to come to you know Maine or whatever? It's uh, why doesn't street level tour nationally? And it's for that same reason, man, I got kids and 
I don't, I'm not judging any other artists. You know, everybody's got to do what they got to do. But for me, I play shows around my kids. I do regional tours around my, you know what I'm saying? So like, but at the same, but at the same time, yeah, man, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's a death sentence for your dream. There's ways to do, especially these days, man, there's ways to do it. There's ways to make it still happen. So I got a lot of respect for all that stuff, uh, all all those things that you focus on, man, because I I believe you're a hundred percent right in feeling that way you want to do right by your kids and you want to do right by your own dreams. And absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a, this is a a fun fact. And this is a a fun story that I tell all the time. Um, and, And this is really a juggulation. So the day that my daughter was born, um, I opened up for Gregory Isaacs. Wow. And the legendary Gregory Isaacs. So, and I was so full of joy that day because I literally, uh, me and my best friend at the time, we literally were in there. Well, I, he wasn't in there in the labor room, but I was. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> but uh, but um, I was, in, I literally helped deliver my, my daughter earlier that day, like literally at like three o'clock in the afternoon. We got dressed for the gig at the hospital and took off from the hospital and um, to go open up for Gregory Isaacs. And uh, it was one of the dopest days of my entire life. Obviously that was that combination, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what it takes. That's what it, it, you know, and I've always been, and this is why I've been um, in this game, you know, as long as I have with the longevity is and and done, you know, over a thousand shows is because um, my dedication to the craft is is uh is unfaltering yeah absolutely and and you know what me and me and uh bill my bass player right he's also my brother-in-law we've known each other since high school so like we this we've been doing this together our, our whole lives you know and our philosophy at this age is like because a lot of a lot of our friends that we came up playing like a lot of them have quit or a lot of them are just you know, doing little things here and there for fun. And our philosophy is just, well, what else am I going to do? Like music is my thing. Like, why would I, why would I stop doing this? No matter what happens, why would I stop doing this, man? Um, Because it's, life has has distractions and life is, you know, things are going to come up. Like, like I said, kids and family and, and so on and so forth. And my family has been, uh, I've been blessed because my family pretty much, um, knows where my, my dedication lies, you know what I mean? And they know that, that I'm going to do music. My wife knows that if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and say, I'm writing a song and I just, I got it on my mind. She's like, okay, boom. She rolls over. Right. And goes, she's go write it in the studio. Get out of here. But, uh, you know what I mean? But you know, my kids know that, you know, dad's got a show. Dad's got a show. I mean, they're older now, but back even, you know, when they were growing up, it was either, either they were with me or, you know, we'd have to hug and say goodbye. Um, and, and I would, and I didn't let, um, I didn't let, uh, anybody put guilt into my head, you know, mainly, you know, their moms. <laughs> I mean, let's keep it real, right? I mean, yeah, let's truth, keep it real. It, it definitely will. You know, the kids will make you want to stay, but the wife or the girlfriend will make you stay. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and that, and that happens sometimes. And that's kind of the, 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 um, the, you know, the, 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 the weighing it out between the family and the music, you know what I mean? And as far as jobs go and all that other stuff, man, I've lost so many jobs playing music. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah. If I got to be at work on a Monday morning and I got a gig on a Sunday night, that job's been lost. 
Well, there's more jobs, man. The family holds too. What's up? <laughs> there's more jobs. Jo- you know what yeah, I mean? There's, like, there's definitely more there's jobs. Other jobs, right? Yeah. Like there's other jobs. And there's more jobs than gigs. So there's run. <laughs> yeah, no, I've um, I've got a streak, man, where I've never canceled a gig. Like I, I, I literally walked out of an ER one time, um, before I was able to get treatment because I had a gig to right. get to, and that's like that. Like people might think that's crazy or that's stupid. It's like, but not for me, because for me, that's, that's what you do. You don't, right, you don't cancel right. a show unless your leg falls off or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, you know, what I mean? sit, sit in a chair. Up. Take me sit up, doc. <laughs> sit in a chair, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's, let's, let's move, let's move a little bit, a little bit uh, later in your career. Um, I want to talk about the tune stronger that you released. And I love that, you know, don't kill me, make me stronger. Right. And that's you, you have a way of doing what you do, being your own voice, your own artist, but yet making it relatable, even when it's a little bit more conscious. So for something like stronger, that's a tune that's like, it's not a love song or something like that, but it's still a song that everybody can relate to. Everybody can connect to. How powerful was that song for you? Well, first of all, Jay, I'm, I'm freaking impressed, man, that you, that you pulled that one out. That single. I did not my a, research, sir. Not a, yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> big up, big up, big up. Um, um, not a lot of people know about the two stronger. Stronger was, uh, was, was one of the ones, you know, where you literally had to, I went into the, um, into the studio and just poured it out. I was going through some stuff, some personal stuff. And, and um, I went in the studio and just poured that single out. Just, you know what I mean? And it just talked about, you know, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. You know, the first verse. Yes, I've been down before. Yes, I've had the blues. Unjustly accused. I've been badly abused. I made it through hell. I made it through jail. I even been out on bail. Enough accomplishments and fails. You know what I mean? And that's just real. I'm just keeping it 100 with that. You know, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a long rocky road for me, you know, and, and, um, staying true to the game, but still being able to put my feelings on paper like that and being able to put my feelings in the, in the box. I, I just been, you know, was blessed to be able to just and just come out, you know what I mean? And yeah, well, I figure there's a lot of people that go through that too. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the lyrics of that song are deep. Um, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going blank right now. I can chat the lyrics, right. but I'm like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, don't, but, don't, uh, don't tell too much. Cause we want people to go out and check out the tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start making me budgets freestyle. <laughs> no, but, uh, that one. Yeah, man, I, I poured it all in on that one. And, um, and, uh, I think that anybody going through some shit is going to cling on to that. I mean, we all have, and we're all gonna continue to go through things, but that's really one of those ones where people like yourself, people, you know, they get, they listen to that song and they go, wow. Yeah. I've been there or yeah, I'm, I'm, I've gone through that. Yeah, man. I, see, I'm not a very outwardly emotional person, right? I've struggled my whole life with like, coming to terms with my emotions outwardly. I'm real good at anger. I'm freaking fantastic at anger, but like the rest of them, like not always so good at it. And, but on the inside, like I'm touched by stuff like that and stuff like that does make me emotional. When you hear what an artist went through, um, it's, and it's not just their authenticity. It's like, 
how you feel like, yeah, like that's, that's me too. Like he could be talking about me too. And it's that it's the human connection going back to what you were talking before about loving people, about wanting to be with people, make music with people. That human connection to me is everything. It's why we make music. It's why we listen to music. It's why we love music. So, right. a t- so a tune right. like stronger is like, yeah, man, bring that, bring it. And that's what I try to do with my music. I try to uh, reach in myself and not be a complainer and not be a, 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 I mean, I'm definitely not a crooner. Obviously the name is Ross rebel. So I'm more of a rebel for sure. Um, I got a couple tunes for the ladies, but I, I, you know, I want my music to say something and leave a lasting impression like Bob did. You know what I mean? Like Bob's music is still relevant today because what he said lives on truly and truly every day. So a song like stronger, I wanted to, you know, be like that. I want the, because you never, those, those issues never go away for the individual person. Oh, you're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. Um, is, is that what's so important to you about being a conscious artist and having that be um, at the forefront of what you're doing, trying to uplift people, trying to leave them with a positive message, trying to um, just unite everybody? Well, I can't say I'm trying to leave them with a positive message because a lot of times my message ain't about positive shit. Mm -hmm. It's a message. Mm -hmm. I I leave people with a message. Um, How you take it is, is how you take it. You know what I mean? So um, like ghetto life, um, you know, that's not, there's nothing positive about that song. That song's talking about real things that happen in the hood and, Mm-hmm. And, and real struggles, you know what I mean? Um, um, reggae roots and culture. Um, that's some people might take that wrong. Um, where I say, you know, we don't deal with no culture vultures, but I'm just leaving a message saying, uh, this is my paying homage to the artists that paved way for me. And I'm not in this reggae music industry without them. And so I'm uh, so first of all, let me, you know, I'm, most of my albums, I, I give, I pay a homage, but um, I did that for real in a real way on reggae roots and culture. And a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, we love that. We don't deal with no culture vultures. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really talking about nobody in particular. I'm just saying that you can't be in this game and with the longevity that I've been in and not respect those that came before you and pay homage to the elders. And it's just that simple. And, and that's, that, that's huge for me. And let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that tune. Um, reggae roots and culture. Although I do want to get back to ghetto life too, because okay. I got I got some questions about that, or not really questions, but I want to talk more about that. But so reggae roots and culture, what you're talking about in there, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think it's a fine line um, dealing with what came before you and not trying to copy it and trying to respect it and trying to show people. Like the whole reason I started this podcast was like, man, there's a lot of youth today that their understanding of reggae doesn't go back very far and maybe they know bob marley but everything else to them is just like sublime ford and there's nothing against sublime and all the newer bands but like there's this deeper thing that i want to reach out to people and say yo uh, please check this out you know I, i think it's a fine line for any of us dealing in music that's come before us because it's so easy for people to just take stuff without respecting it right Right, right. And, and I mean, and it just goes on to and I've, I've had a, this conversation with a number of people um, about the, the, the next generation of reggae and where, where you find yourself, um, you know, in the Cali reggae and the mixing of this. And I 
could just simply look at it like this. In this game of reggae music, there has been so much great music put before us. Some of the greatest, I can say, and some of the best times um, and best people that that were the forefathers. So it's like it's like getting you can stay so closed minded and not really do your homework, but then you only get an associate's degree. Yeah. And then you've gone on and then you can go get a little bit more knowledge and get past the sublimes and so on and get a little bit more knowledge of reggae. Then you get your bachelor's degree and then you dig into the culture of Jamaica itself and the culture of Jamaican people. Then you get your, you know, your, your, your master's. And then you dig into what Rasta is really about and the real rootedness of Rastafari, even before reggae. Before, you know, the, 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 the consciousness that comes with Rasta before you even a reggae musician. Now that you got your master's degree. That's when you, I mean, I'm sorry. That's when you graduate to be your doctrine. And so, you know, like, like yourself having long dreads, I've I had dreads for 16 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I represent the tribe of Levi. I am, you know, I've been to 12 tribes meeting and I've been to Ethiopian Orthodox church and I've been to first church of Rasta and I've seen the root of Rastafari before I decided to be a reggae musician and before I decided to really call myself that. So, you know, there's levels to this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a, I got my PhD in reggaeology for real. Yeah. You know, while yeah. some of them is still, you know, they might have an associate. Yeah. You know? Right on. Right. On. I, I have it. Sometimes I have a difficult time relating to people in the American reggae scene because like I, I came to reggae through Rastafari. Not, not the other way around, right? Right. I, yeah. I, I came to um, Herb through Rastafari, not through reggae, not through, you know what I mean? I even came to punk music through reggae because like going back, so like my, my path was different from the average American reggae fan or average American reggae musician. And it can be tough to relate to people when you say things like, yo, like, I don't do this for, for decoration. Like I, if I wasn't playing in a reggae band, like this is who I am. This isn't just something I'm borrowing to make it look good for my band. You know what I mean? And, and it's imperative to go deep into any culture that you want to be part of. Right. Right. And that's the thing, you know, it's either, it's, it's either, you know, you're in it for the reggae music and you, 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 you like the party and you like the vibe and you like the festival life and you like this. And then that's cool. You know, but you will all, you will always only have an associate's degree yeah. in reggae music. Mm-hmm. You will never achieve the master. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like martial arts. You will never, you will never be a master. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love, I love the way you broke that down with like different degrees. Like that's really a great way to put it. Let's get back to uh, to ghetto life. I love I love that song. I love the video. It's it's powerful, and I love the opening sketch you have in that video, right? Where it's like you're you're trying to get a job, right? You're on a job interview, and then it leads into the tune, like like this is what happens. This is what happens to people, and this is something that still the the white community, the suburban community, something still doesn't have a deep understanding of a deep grasp of, of what people can go through when they're of a different culture, when they're not in the majority and see the things that they struggle with. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly why we did that video that way. You, you, you got exactly what, what exactly what we were saying with the video that in the, in the beginning of the video, I'm going in to get a job. I'm going in for a job interview and I'm dressed, you know, tie, whatever, but I have my hair in cornrow braids. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I go through this job interview as it progresses. The guy starts stereotyping me just based on looks. And then eventually doesn't even offer me the job, you know, and then wants to shake my hand. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, nah, man, dang, <laughs> like you did nothing for me. And, and, and as you walk out, as I walk out in the video, you'll see it, you know, I yank my tie off and I'm, you know, I'm mad at the, you know, because once again, you know, I've, uh, I'm, based on the way that I look, I couldn't get a regular job. Yeah. So then I end up, you know, taking the bus ride through the hood hitting the liquor store, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and I didn't, I didn't get any alcohol. I got rolling papers and got, got some weed. And, but throughout the video, you see kind of what's going through my mind and you see flashes of, of the hood that I went, that I go through, um, you know, c- coming back and the things that, that, that someone does go through. And then we flash to the, to the weed and the girls and the cars and the money, you know what I mean? And it's just like, so this is what I'm all about. Like, this is this really, this is what I'm destined to be about is, you know, money, girls and big bags of weed. You know, I'm trying to get a job out here. So yeah. it was definitely a flip on um, society. Well, that's that systemic racism, man. And that's what a lot right. of people don't get is like. And it's and it's a and it's a circular argument, too, man, because there's some people who just won't they won't see the truth you know, we, we like to say they can't see the truth. No, they won't see the truth. And what you're talking about in that song, in that video is exactly what millions of people go through all the time and the choices they have to make when the opportunities are not there for them. Right. Exactly. And you, exactly. Put, it, you put it perfectly. That's like one of the best videos and songs I've ever seen talking about that concept. And right. And, and, I, right and, I, and I wish more people would see it. I wish more people, I wish more people would just open their minds to the fact that their experience is not necessarily like everyone else's. And that in fact, our experiences can be so individualized that no one's experience is like ours. And we have to open our minds and see what people really go through that just because, yeah, we all have problems. Right. Like people got different sorts of problems, man. People right. got, and, and something as simple as, where am I going to get a decent job from a, 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 a wage that can pay my bills? Where am I going to get that from when I'm starting off in the ghetto? I don't have the opportunities. I don't have the choices that a lot of other people have. Right. And, and, it, it, and if you notice in the video, it's like you checked off all the good aspects of what jobs are looking for yep. just based on how I looked, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. then I, you know what I mean? And, and I, I think the guy asked me, I'm trying to remember the video. They asked me if I've, been convicted of a felony and I said no but he's like nah I don't you just nah I'm not yeah and and so yeah and then you're and then so you're driven back to you know big bags of weed money girls alcohol party you know living that kind of life instead of this guy just going yo let me hook you up you know with a job so yeah it's uh yeah man that that video says it right there and Um, that's and and that and that goes back and like the other thing for people to understand is like this, this is a thing that minorities in any area had been dealing with for forever. 
forever. Absolutely. It's, 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 yeah, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's the not, Irish deal with it. The Mexicans yeah. deal with it. Yeah. The Polynesians deal with it. You know, they still deal with it on their own islands. Yeah. I mean, everybody's dealing with this type of stuff. And this is where we're at now, um, hopefully, as a world coming more like this. But the, the, the stereotypes and the systematic stereotypes and racism are, are, are well in play. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, we it's it's so much in play that I'm glad you I'm glad you dug so much. I'm glad you dug that video so much. That uh, means I mean I mean people are yeah. actually digging into that video like they're you know like I would appreciate. Yeah, well uh, to me it's like it's 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 stated so perfectly that I feel like even people who don't normally understand this might learn something from it if that they tune into it, which is you know really the best thing you could say about a song or, or about a video and um just just learn stuff about other people, like learn stuff about what different people can go through, what different cultures can go through. And cause you're right. Like at the beginning of that video, like he's asking you all these questions cause he's trying to find a reason not to hire you. Right. And then finally he runs out of that and it's like, nah, you're just not what I'm looking for. And it's like, and we, we all right. know the, we all know the reason for that. And people go through that constantly, man. So I, I appreciate stuff like that. And I want to talk about some of your other tunes. Well, first of all, if if somebody's never heard Ross Rebel and they were to say to you, what's like one tune that's a good place to start with Ross Rebel? Like what's what's one tune that you would throw out and say, check this out first? Wow. Um I wouldn't, man. I would just give them the website. <laughs> Tell them go to go to Spotify. I, 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 go to I, I, you know what really talk, real talk. Um I, when people uh, meet me and then they kind of realize what I do and they're just like, so what do you, you know, where can I find you at? I just tell them Google me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, I mean, I, you know, pick, I, there's so many, so much music I do that you can't define it by one song. Cause like we were just talking about yeah. ghetto life and then you have songs like police, the police. Yeah. We're going to talk about that one too. <laughs> okay, cool. And then on the flip side, you have songs like "Love" and songs like "Paradise." Yeah, yeah. you know. And so you, you, there's this. I'm a Gemini, so you're going to get, you're going to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but you're going to get a good helping of of realness. Even, even, even in my love songs, it was it's real. It's you know, it's not just "Ooh, baby, baby." It's like I'm actually yeah. talking to her, you know, talking to her like you supposed to talk to a lady. Yeah, like a like a person, like a right. like like a human being. Yeah. Right. I'm not like yo, Snapchat that poop. Right. Snapchat that poop. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not Snapchat that poop. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not it's not happening. That's not happening for me. I'm more along the lines of the hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Let <laughs> me get a little minute of your time, type of dude. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like I, what I love about your sound is like you were saying, you've got you've got there's roots reggae in your sound, there's dance hall in your sound, there's hip hop in your sound, and there's there's a tremendous amount of quality in all of that. Do you do a lot of the music yourself? Do you work with certain producers? How do you how do you decide when you get ready to voice a track? How does the music side come together? Mm, man, that happens a lot of different ways. I mean, as you know, you you, you draw your inspiration from anywhere. I mean, you uh, sometimes the rhythm will talk to me. Um, I'll, I'll work with producers that already have you know pre made rhythms and. Mm. Um, they'll send me a, a few rhythms at a time and I'll pick one or I'll be like, ah, nah, these ain't for me. But most of the time um, it's uh, the lyrics are already written um, somewhere. I, I got them somewhere. 
but uh, it's just a matter of matching um, that right, those right words to the right rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like in the case of boss lion, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that one too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that one was, um, just the, I came up with the baseline in my head. I hummed it. We were in the studio. I just happened to have one of the dopest bass players on the West coast in the studio with me at the same time. And it was, um, you know, it, it's the, the tune came out of my head. We went with it and boom. That tune so, is fire. Yeah. That, that tune is absolute fire. So that one came together pretty quick then. That, no, actually, it didn't. It, it took me a minute because I was on the road when we first laid that track, uh, and, and we were on a, we were on this little um, this little California dip, and um, we had a chance to go in the studio with Ian Young at the time. It was my first time working with him. We had talked about it for a minute. Me and Young, Ian Young had talked about working together for a couple of years now before we actually got together. You know, it just had to be that right time. Um, and then we went into the studio. We laid the bass and drum and the rhythm track. And then I flew back down. I was living in Sacramento at the time. I flew back down to San Diego um, from Sacramento and did the vocals. And then we put everything else on it. And then, um, um, which, I mean, we're already talking about it. So yeah, we're talking. About, you keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so and then I was able to meet, reach out to the you know the one and only boss lion himself um you know grammy michael rose yeah man. And i have been stuck on michael rose since i was a youth like he's literally one of, like i michael rose and rakim are like oh, right man. there for me as far as lyrical teachers nice. and just um microphone etiquette you know a lot of people get in front of a microphone and they don't really know good microphone etiquette yeah. and you know, just simply how to be an MC, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Rakim said, MC means move the crowd. Yeah. So you can stand in front of a microphone and not move that crowd. And so, mm-hmm. and so and Michael Rose, man, yeah. so, <laughs> yo, you know, I just, yeah, it is what it is. So it, it, Michael Rose is the absolute hands down the, the dawn. Yeah. And so, and he was able to bless that track. So, you know, boss lion, we, I mean, I bought, I bossed out with the boss, man. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that, man. That's a great tune. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about police the police because that's another that's another subject near and dear to my heart. Um, it, it's another thing that the the George Floyd thing last summer was 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 weird to me because it seems like like Rodney King to George Floyd, and it's like people people still they still don't see it, they still don't get it. And George Floyd woke up a few more people, but for a lot of us, it's like, where have you been? Like, like, right. Like, like where you've been, this is something we should have been watching all along. This is something that's been going on forever here with each new generation come along. More people, more people get wise to it. A tune like police, the police um, is important because you're, you're talking about keeping people in check. You're talking about, we'll go on. You tell me, you tell me, like tell everybody, tell yeah, everybody. I was yeah. let you do it, man. I'll I'll let you do it. No, no, no. I'm gonna let you. I'm like, I'm talking too much. I need to let this come from Ross Rebel's mouth. Ah, uh, no. Nah, well, I mean, it is what it is. Like you said, you know, the police brutality. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the streets, man, and 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 it, it, it ain't no joke. I've been roughed up by the police a few times. You know what I mean? I've had my head slammed on the car. I've been handcuffed. Matter of fact, um, I didn't have the feeling in this this index finger right here for like two years after a confrontation with the police and they had the cuffs on me so tight uh, for a mistaken identity. 
um, and slammed me to the ground, busted me up a little bit. And I've done, I've dealt with it a few times. Um, and it, it, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's it is what it is. It, it exists. And yeah. the fact of the matter is police, the police came out in 2017 is when I dropped the rebirth album. Yeah. So, you know, and George Floyd was until 2019. I right. dropped that two years before George mm-hmm. Floyd. Oh, you, you know, you could have dropped it in 2007 or 1997 or 1987. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the same. It's the or same 1957 or, or you know what I mean? 1927. It, it is, yeah. Obviously, obviously it, we're, we're in the, the country where the police need to be police. There is X, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And as long as you keep getting a green light to target black people unfairly and brown people and especially black people, you know, that, you know, and a lot of people forget that, you know, the police department was, was set up to hunt black people, you know, it's during slavery times. That's how the police work came about, you know what I mean? And, and it has not changed and, and it's geared up not to change. Yeah. The powers that be don't want it to change. You know what I'm saying? So I think the George Floyd thing just um it opened up the eyes to this generation mm-hmm. but you know i i was the rodney king generation you know what mm-hmm. i mean me too so, yeah, me too yeah, yeah. so it, it's and and for black folks it ain't nothing new to us yeah it ain't it's it's not it's it, it, it and what's sad is even in our own community it's almost an everyday thing you're almost like mm, yep that's the police Mm, yeah, that's the police. You know, it's really no. There's, it, it, it's you. You become you become numb, mm-hmm. and so that's why that video, that video, police the police, is so important because man, it's a stinger. Um, and, and I truly believe, and my manager at the time told me the same thing. Like, dude, you're not going to get a lot of play with this video because this is like it, it's a shocker. That that video has shocked shock of you know, what is that a value yeah yeah because you really are going oh, damn you know mm-hmm. because we put some real footage in that video you know yeah. what i'm saying so yeah. it's in, and it's all public footage it's not like we had to go dig up dirt on the, it is what it is and it's yeah. out there yeah so I, yeah. and the song the video speaks for itself yeah man yeah and, and again you know we're talking about these cultural differences like a, a lot of white folks can't fathom that something like that could happen to people because it doesn't happen to them or you know it doesn't happen you know what i mean so it's about that education it's it's cultural education look what other people other than you are going through and be willing to say man that's that's messed up we we can't have this you know what i mean right right and it's uh and it's not just i can't say it's just white folks that didn't really they they don't want to see it it's just the severity of it and the blatant, the blatantness of it. You know what I mean? I mean, we're even talking about, uh, I mean, it's funny that we're talking about this, I think on the anniversary of the, when the, I think the dude's going to court today, as a matter of fact, was yeah. it today or yesterday? Yeah, that guy, I, uh, yeah. Not sure which day. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The matter. What matters is, is hopefully that there's some justice served and um, hopefully yeah. that we came to the point where police have to show an account for their behavior. Because that wild, wild west shit is out. 
And that's the only thing that's going to change anything is accountability. If, if, if you keep getting away with something over and over, there's no incentive to change. There's right. no incentive for, for your buddies to change. It's like right. there has to be an incentive there. And I'm, and I'm never going to be someone who can tell other people what's in their heart. Only they know what's in their heart. And, and with racism, you get there, there's some people are it's racism and it's pure hatred. And you're talking about the Klan and neo-Nazis and stuff like that. And then you have the, the systemic end of racism where you have people who don't even understand what's going on with racism or how they not that they're a part of it, but that, you know, it. it society allows it to happen without even realizing right. it. Right. And I think that, like I said, I don't think that it was like, oh, white folks, ain't, they're not really recognizing. It's, of course they are. Of course people recognize it. But now it's caught in the attention of the world. Yeah. It's not just, you know, happening in your little town by your police department that's messing with Junebug and that's, yeah. you know, where, I mean, this, I mean, what had happened and, and the riots and everything blew this thing wide open, you know what I mean? And, and there, sometimes that's needed. And sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's, it's absolutely warranted. So yeah. Yeah. One, 100%, man. 100%. So, yeah. 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 But that video, um, is definitely a reflection of, of, of what needed to go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, even before the George Floyd thing. So, yeah. you know, like I said, it's, uh, yeah. And still, and, still and still today, I mean, it's still relevant today. I'm not and, afraid to tackle those tough subjects, man. <laughs> no, man. And, and you know what, man, I, I hope there's a day where people say that song's not really relevant anymore. Right. But it is. And so those are the, those are the things that you have to say though, because it, it's, well, it's always going to be yeah. irrelevant because you yeah. have to police the police. Right. Everybody right. must be policed. Everybody has to have an account. We mm-hmm. have an account. I have an account. You have an account. We all have to, you know, have to give an account for the actions and, you know, for what we do, especially to another human being, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, the police have not had any accountability. And so that's the main point. And that's why I did that video. Who's, who's going to police the police. And that's what get that's what gets lost in a lot of this man is the basic humanity. Just, just the bet, like on a human level, like I understand police got a job to do. I understand their job is not the easiest one in the world to do, but you know, you see people losing their humanity in different areas. And that's the and one. That's exactly what that yeah. was. Yeah. I was, I was, that's exactly what that was. Yeah. So, you know, and, and if you look at the video um, that you'll see it over and over again. And like I said, there's shock, there's shock value in that video, but uh, it is absolutely real. I mean, cause it ain't just in, in the video, police to police. It's not just black folks. It's white people. It's women. It's handicapped. Yeah. It you know they abuse their power in every situation yeah. if given the opportunity. Now I know there's some good cops, and you know I know that there's a lot more cops now that are stepping up to the plate to get rid of those bad seeds. Yeah. But in the black community, it, we still need you know we still need uh, for them to be accountable for the way they act to to us as people. Yeah, and you know you you have people going well. It's not all cops, and I love what Chris Rock said about that. He said something about. Well, you can't have that with pilots. You can't have like there's some bad <laughs> bad pilots. Like there's just one bad pilot <laughs> because they don't know how to land a plane and they got a plane full of people. Like, no, nah, it's like I'm sorry, but in some jobs you have to be of higher 
moral fiber, higher accountability, whatever you it is. Know it's like, it, you know? would you tell somebody they're burning out? Like that job, got, man, I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've worked security, um, you know, in the, when I wasn't doing shows, I've done security. And so mm-hmm. um, I know that dealing with people and dealing with drunk people, people that are intoxicated, people that, that can be a bit testing. So if you start to see somebody burn out in that type of job, where they can easily drop 13 rounds in your ass, you might want to tell them, hey, buddy, why don't you go take a vacation? Yeah. You know? Truth. So anyway, that's that. I mean, you know, we we deal with it as a society every day. So, you know, these, like I said, in my, on my albums, I'm not scared to tackle those tough subjects. And that's, that, that might be my favorite thing about you. It might be my favorite thing about your music is, is there's a fearlessness to what you're doing. And I, I'm the type of person who appreciates stuff like that. But let's go in a little bit lighter direction now. I want you to tell me about Wake and Bake. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a lighter direction. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good. All right. <laughs> All right. So, no, um, the Wake and Bake, once again, speaking the truth. Yep. Every morning when I wake and bake, I'm feeling so fine, man. You know, um, I do appreciate my Wake and Bakes. Uh, being blessed in Southern California, I do uh, I, I do live near the beach. I take a walk on the beach in the mornings, and and I give thanks to the Most High. Um, and you know the herb takes me to a more conscious level. So, um, but you know, once again, the, the song speaks for itself, and yeah. I'm jumping out my bed to catch a cool Irish feeling. You know, call up my brethren, what's up? Let's make some music. You know. And then, uh, you know, I, what, what I do regret about that song, and, and then I guess it's never too late, is that, that I feel like that song should have had a video. And we haven't yet done a video for that song. So maybe in the sometime future, we'll, we'll take it back to the front. But uh, it's not a bad uh, idea. Yeah, I, I like it. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a fun song, though. And everybody loves yeah. it. Everybody loves that song. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's laid back and it's, it's relatable, at least to those of us in this community. That's certainly a, a relatable concept. And just, yeah. um, but but it's not like like some people that's like they got like weed songs like i don't feel that as a weed song i've to me that's like a celebration of life song that's about you know the the meditation of it the the giving thanks for life and the beauty of everything that goes into that yeah it's basically one it's it's a day in the life of just blazing and feeling like yeah you know i'm living my best life i'm calling up my sister and you know, and they're looking good and they're smoking. I'm calling up my brethren. They're iry and they're smoking. And yeah. as Q would say, today is a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important too, man, because those of us um, who make conscious music, we can get burned out too, man. Like it, it can be, you need a little mental health break. Mm-hmm. Some of the topics that we talk about, because I could, I mean, you know, you don't want to end up it's easy to end up depressed. It's easy to deal with depression when, right. you're, when you're working this way, when you're living in, in the conscious lyrics world, because there's all this, there's all this stuff that you're writing. It's all the stuff that you're singing. And sometimes you got to take that step back and say, hold up. All this stuff is true. There's a lot of messed up stuff going on, but, but life is beautiful. Like, like we have these things in life that we can share and, and live and have a good time. Yeah, bro. You hit the nail right on the head, man. That's exactly what it is. Like writing songs, uh, you know, on the same album, like police to police and ghetto life um, and the single stronger. I mean, it, it, those songs have to be counteracted with 
the paradises and the wake and bakes and, you know, because, and, you know, and songs like love and come over, you know, because there has to be a counterbalance. There has to be an alpha and omega. There has to be that, that, you know, yin and yang that I, and I, and I happen to have to have that in my life. Like I said, I'm a Gemini. I'm a, you know what I mean? So I literally have to have that yin and yang. So as much as is, is I'm ready for war and confrontation in my lyrics. And, and as much as, you know, like how we say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready at the same time. I love to blow off steam and just live life and be chill and, 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 you know, and, and, and smoke a joint and kick it with my peoples and enjoy the sunset and, and you know, and pet my dogs and go for a walk. You know what I mean? And, yeah. yeah, man. You can't just be mad all the time. And shit. No, man, we like, gotta, we gotta live life too. I can't just be like, always like, all right, right. <laughs> Yeah, you because know, you'll burn out everybody around you too. Yeah, well, yeah, right? and you become yeah. you become an a hole too, man. Yeah. My 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 thing has always been like, I'm focusing a hundred percent on the lyrics like that, but like on social media or when I'm hanging out with people, like like I'm not sitting around talking about you know geopolitics and 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 different economic systems. Like nah, like like that's in the music, but I want to be a little bit because I don't want to beat nobody over the head with everything, right? So. If I'm on social media or if we're just hanging out, well, I want to laugh. We're going to joke around. We're going to relate to each other. We're going to have a good time because, yeah, man, I, I'll, I'll go crazy and I'll take everybody around me with me. And we can't we can't have that. Yeah, you can't have that. man. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me about the Welcome to Jamrock cruise. Man, ridiculous. That that whole that whole uh, that was one of the major highlights of my life i can say definitely absolutely right there right there with the, the whole great graduates thing how did you how did you get linked up with that how did that come about um what happened is is uh we i was touring the caribbean already i was going to puerto rico um st croix and we were going to end that um trip with jamrock and uh and uh my wife had never been on a cruise and so I was like, yo, we're going to go on Jamrock and we're going to have a great time. And I'm going to see a bunch of people I know and run into artists that I know. And when I got on there, um, I was, uh, I had, I had a, a serious talk with, uh, King Shinehead, the legendary Shinehead. Um, and if people, if you don't know who Shinehead is, oh my God, you really do your homework. Okay. <laughs> He's one of the dopest originators, dopest, versatile artists, MCs and lyrical juggernauts that it has ever touched the mic in the reggae business. So yo, Shinehead, all respects do. So um, I, I had a conversation with him and he was like, all right, you, you're going to be ready. I'm going to call you up. And I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and um, on his set, he, he gave me the blessing and, um, called me up onto his set and he, at that, at the time he was being backed by the black soil band who backs Tyrus Riley, yeah. you know, with Dean Frazier. So I was up there with a legend like Shinehead and being backed by Tyrus Riley's band by the black soil band. So I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it really gave me a boost of confidence and it really gave me a, a nod in the direction because being a California artist, um, a lot of cats don't even get to go to Jamaica, let alone don't know nothing about Jamaica. Right. And I was able to, um, go there 
and be blessed with a Jamaican band and a Jamaican legend. And when I stepped off onto Jamaican soil, soil of my own bloodline, it really gave me a sense of pride and it gave me a sense of I belong here in reggae. So it wasn't just, you know, I'm running all around the world, but I, didn't, I never touched the rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, when I got off in, in Jamaica and people were telling me, yo, you killed it. You did a great job. And it's, and it's like I there was a it was it was like I was like super rocks came out, you know, no, but it was because it, it that meant the world to me. It, you know what I mean? Um, you know, of Jamaican descent and um, Jamaican and Irish descent. And, um, you know, I, I I hold that true and close to me, my my roots to the islands. And 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 so anytime. um I feel like anytime I'm able to bless the Caribbean um, with my art and get that type of love, especially, especially Jamaica, then um, man, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. Yeah. You know, but uh, it was, but it was amazing. It was the, the, the feeling, the trip, the, 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 the cruise, the artists, you know, it's, uh, it's not everybody gets to, you know, be on the mic and turn around and be able to see, Stevie Marley and Sean Paul, like watching their set. You feel <laughs> yeah. me? You yeah, feel yeah. me? So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it was the whole thing was super intense, man. But it, it um, and once again, it just sharpened the iron even more, you know? So, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. So tell me about what you're working on now, man. So right now, um, I'm actually, um, um, I just got involved with this fundraiser. Um, as you know, um, we talked a, a little bit and I got involved with this fundraiser with, uh, with, uh, some friends of mine from the Pacific Northwest, uh, right. Teresa, Michelle, you know, yeah, the PNS crew. That shout out. Yeah. Shout out. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. So, uh, you know, um, they, uh, they, um, are doing a new, um, Power, how can I say, a, a new uh, female-driven company in the music industry that um, are they're trying to work on management and work, try to work on bookings and try to work on, you know, just becoming an entity in the, in the, in the mu- reggae music scene over here on the West Coast. And they're doing that out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so they came on board with me to help me with this fundraiser. And it's a fundraiser to fund my next album, my next CD. Um, or I can't say CD; can one listen to CDs no more? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my next, uh, my next album, and uh, it's it's and, and and it's because um, and a lot of people right now. I know it's a lot. Of, I know it's tough for a lot of people to give because a lot of people don't have much. But I was simply coming up with this fundraiser to let people know that you know. As a solo artist, it's hard to get back out there after a year off with no shows. People don't understand. We live off of our shows. That's where the money's at. You know, the money's really not in streamings unless you're Uber streaming. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're Kanye. Yeah. Right, right. (laughs) You know, the money's in your shows. And if you're not out there and if you take a year off your shows and you're not able to go out and hustle and grind, you take a lot of revenue hit. Yeah. And being a solo artist to get back on the grind with a whole new album is a very financial task, a hard, you know, hard financial task. And it's where a lot of people fall off. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Because yeah. when you have a band, you have five to six to seven people in that group all in the same direction. Yeah. So if you say, yo, we need to come up with $500 a piece then you got six people, you got three grand, right? So 
that's a good chunk of an album. Yeah. Well, if you got one person, you got $500. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, um, I, so, you know, the idea was with, with, with the wisdom warriors was to come up with this fundraiser that kind of draws people to that, um, to, to, to being aware of that, like, yo, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of hard out here for a musician, you know what I mean? Especially solo artists that are trying to get back on their feet after the COVIDs and you know what I mean? And you don't have six people putting into a pot, you know, right. and going, okay, let's go make this album. Right. Um, and at the same time, I wanted to make it fun. I wanted to make it interactive um, to bring the people in and, and see what goes on really with, with what goes on with making an album. I know a lot of people, a lot of people watch a lot of things and you can Google and YouTube a lot of stuff, but following your favorite artists through their ups and downs of putting together an album or ups and downs of being in the studio and when stuff goes wrong and stuff goes right and all that, it's a fun experience um, that I figured people would want to do with me. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and at the same time contribute to, like I said, it's just a, it's a fundraiser. And we don't matter whether you give $5 or whether you get $500, it's, it's all going to, what it takes to put out an album. You know what I mean? What it takes for the biggest killer is the studio cost. The biggest kid you know, that's the biggest jammy is the studio cost because right. you know, you can't split that cost with nobody else. It's you and your studio cost. Yeah. Regardless of what, how many lyrics I've written and how much I got going on. If I can't afford that studio time, it'll never get out there. Yeah. You know, and if I can't get the right musicians, you know, like, Santana, for instance, he does, it's not, it's, it's him. And then he gets his backing band, his contract musicians. It's not like, Oh, we're a band and we're a united front. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay those folks like, right, like actual right. cash. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I want to be able to get and feature the right artists. And I want to be able to feature artists that I'm fans of in the Cali root scene and outside the Cali root scene in the worldwide Jamaican and, and reggae scene and not even Jamaicans, you know, cats from the UK. And I got an artist that I'm talking to in the UK that's fire and I'm not going to let it out who it is, but mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, these, it, 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 it takes um, a family to kind of pitch in and help one person survive. And, you know, if you love, if I love my music and you believe in me, I'm just saying, yo, help a brother out. That's all. Yeah, so you, it's a GoFundMe that's out there, right? For Ross it's a Rebel? GoFundMe, yeah, and they can check it out at Wisdom Warriors Fundraiser or Ross Rebel and Wisdom Warriors Fundraiser on the Facebook. It's a Facebook page. Yeah, right on. And, yeah, and and we'll be we'll be dropping some heaters. Obviously, I'm going to be able to go back in and work with Ian Young. I'm going to also be nice. working with um, yeah. I'm going to also be working with Loud City up in Seattle. Um, great producers, you know what I mean? And, and it really, so I'm going to be stretched out on the West coast and, yeah. you know, working with a lot of different people. There's a, a few features on the album. I'm not going to, I'll sprinkle that out sprinkle that on there later. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The surprise, yeah, there's some surprises. We yeah, can't, we can't, we can't tell everybody about what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of good everything. things happening. And then to follow up the fundraiser and, and once we get what we feel is substantial enough funds, we're going to get back in the lab. We're going to get back in the box, man, and put out another, you know, a couple more heaters and, yeah. you know, and, and feature a lot of people on the album. And, you know, it's uh, the, the songs that I'm working on already are, are pretty promising. They're, they're, they're bangers. I'm not going to, I, yeah. I can't come with nothing soft no more. That's it. Now it's a curse. Not. Yeah. Are you, are, do you have a lot of it already written? Or are you still kind of working on some, some I'm about lyrics, three or? songs in? Nice. Yeah. I'm about three songs in. And, um, and, but like I said, I got, 
um, other colleagues in this reggae music industry that are, you know, um, that I've known for years and yeah. some new friends, some old friends, um, especially in the California, uh, the Cali reggae scene that, that I'm going to be working with. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to just having fun and uh, yeah. making music, you know. What else does 2021 hold for you? I mean, obviously, there's still some restrictions with COVID, but are you looking to play any shows this year also? Or are you just kind of focusing on the album or a little mix of both? Uh, pretty much focused on the album. I, you know, I, I always um, go and support friends and fellow musicians and show up and, you know, uh, jump on the stage with them and help them hype the crowds up and do what they do. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely I love to do that. I'm, I'm not a ball hog myself in this game. I like to just show up and, you know, just spring up and guest appearance with other artists that I appreciate. And uh, so, you know, there's probably a little bit of that throughout the summer, but I'm really actually focused um, on going over to the UK and going and hitting and, and, and going, as they say, across the pond and, uh, and um, seeing if I can't get some shows over in London and, and um, Germany and um, Denmark, France, you know, stuff like this. I'm, I'm really eager to, go to the UK. Now I recently got my passport. So now I'm trying to go see the world. Yeah. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, and hopefully everything opens back up soon and we can travel like we used to, where we're just kind of going anywhere we want, not having to deal with a lot of COVID restrictions and stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah, I'll be you know. touching the States. I'll be touching the States. Um, you know, um, Florida, I'm looking forward. I, I'm in talks right now with some people in Florida. Um, I'm in talks with some people in the Pacific Northwest. Um, right. But other than that, you know, I've been in Cali for a long time. I'm a Cali artist. And, you know, I've played, like I said, I've played over, I can say in, in my career, I've played over a thousand shows. So here in the States alone. So but that goes, that, that goes to Hawaii, to Florida, to New York, to, right. you know, but, um, but I'm ready to get you outside the States, man. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a trekker. I got a globe. I got a globe trek. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's great, man. Be great if you can get that album done and, and, and just be ready to just pop out there after all this COVID stuff is gone and you got the new yeah. album and you're just yeah. going off to all these different places. So uh, that's great, man. Now, I've, I've had you on here for forever, man. So I should probably let you go at some point. Do you, do you have any thoughts? What are you? Yo, it has been a it, hell of a It's been, been a while. Uh, I'm starting to feel bad. Like I'm looking at the clock going, man, I've taken up like half your day now. But do you, do you have any. What are some of your thoughts on your career where it stands right now? Thoughts on the reggae community right now? How would you want to sum up everything you're feeling at this moment about music, both in your career and outside of it? Wow, that was a big question, man. That was a fully loaded <laughs> question right Got to end on a big one, man. That was a fully loaded question. Um, <laughs> my thing is, for me, in my, my career, I'm trying to be um the best that i can be i'm trying to be the best that i ever was um, one thing that we didn't get to touch on that uh that i think is a real key thing right now with me is that i'm sober right now i've gone through um um addiction with alcohol throughout my life and depression and i've kicked alcohol i'm almost two years sober i haven't had any so i'm just like yeah i was i'm i'm, I'm like boom you know so my mind is clearer my mind is more focused and um, I'm really looking forward to bringing more clarity to the to, to the songs and to the album, even more, you know, a little bit deeper thought um, as far as where the reggae music at in the world, um, in the industry, man, I, I hope we come back big. I really do. 
I hope that we really, really come back in a major way. And I hope that there's a lot more diversity in some of the reggae community. I really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, looking like seeing that there's oil and water, that the oil and the water ain't mixing. And I really just hope that, you know, we can just be one big, you know, one big, um, um, unity pot because there's so much that, that is from everybody to come into the reggae music industry. Um, one thing that I would like to really promote and, and definitely, um, Bring, I'd like to see more women in the reggae industry. It seems to be a boy band community and we're not big enough, enough ladies out there. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's yeah. definitely a couple of sisters that are, sure, you know, sure. in the team. Sure. but I think right now, and especially the way that this movement is going, as far as the world goes, there's definitely got to be more women allowed to really shine up there on stage in the reggae music industry. You know what well, I mean? I, I think there will be, I think we've seen with rock and hip hop lately, more and more women, you know, women are becoming some of the best guitar players in rock. Now women are, are becoming, you know, some of the biggest stars in hip hop and stuff like that. So um, I'm optimistic that reggae will, will follow suit and we'll see more. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, like we, we started this interview talking about, um, you know, lady song, you know what I yeah. mean? And yeah. talking about, you know, certain little bit, I mean, you have, you, you know, and especially being out here on the West coast, you see, you know, the ladies come through and shout out to all the ladies that come through, you know what I mean? From Ellie Mack, yeah. to uh to hire to natalie uh, rise natalie rise yeah. and i mean you name it like there's you know there's 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 women coming up in the game and i and i do like to see that because yeah. a lot of times man they're just as rough as the dudes man Absolutely. It's sometimes Absolutely. even more rough sometimes even more yeah. rough okay <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so you know yeah, yeah. Well, positive change man i mean that's that's what we as we all want every day all the time man positive changes in the community, in the culture, in humanity, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, if people want to check out, you mentioned the, the GoFundMe, if people want to check out Ross Rebel, should they go to Official Ross Rebel? Yeah, they can go to officialrossrebel.com. R-A-S-R-E-B-E-L, officialrossrebel.com. And check me out on um, all social media outlets, like uh, Instagram, um, um, Ross Rebel Official. Mm-hmm. And um, I also got Ross Re- uh, official Ross Rebel page, too. Yeah, right on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, hey, just Google me. Google Google him. He's there. You just Google Ross Ooh, Rebel. Man, it's, Ross it's easy. Rebel. All this R-A-S- stuff's going to pop R-A-B, up. Yeah, and you can, yeah, you can listen to all the songs we've been talking about, and then you can you can holler at us, and, and we could talk more about that. But Ross Rebel, man, thank you so much for, for doing this for me. I've wanted to get with you for a while. I'm thrilled that I, I finally got to sit down with you. Man, I love you as an artist. I oh, love man, you as a you, person. Man. Thank you, bro. Keep, keep doing all the things you do, and you know that you're going to have you know at least one cat out here supporting you. I got your back all the time. Thank I love it, man. I got to come out to the Midwest, man. I, I know you guys, you said it's a college town out there. So yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Don't, don't come out during the winter, man. Cause I don't even leave the house when it's well, cold. Who the hell wants to go to Kansas in the winter, bro. Yeah. Nobody, man. No, no, no not even me, man. Like I'm here. Kansas I don't know. I don't be in Kansas in the winter. <laughs> but it's, a, right, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful four months, man. If you can hit that nice four month window. from all like right, May to August. Talk about that. We'll have to talk about that. Maybe hit that on the way to Florida, you know. I, I like it, man. I like it, man. Stop by and, and we'll we'll get some food together. All right. Yeah, man. All right, man. 
Take care of yourself. Ross Rebel, everyone, please go check out Ross Rebel. Great talking to you, sir. Thank you so much, man. One love. Yo, brother. Respect, man. Give thanks, Jay. I'll see you soon, brother. Want to know more about Street Level Uprising? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that you could get our dub EP absolutely free? Just go to streetleveluprising.com slash seven. That's the number seven. This EP is not available anywhere else. You won't hear it on Spotify. You won't be able to buy it on CD at one of our shows. This EP is just to thank you for your support and features dub versions of seven Street Level Uprising tunes. Check us out on Spotify or Apple Music to hear all three of our studio albums. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Talkin' Reggae. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll talk again soon.